previously on Crypt ID. It looked like a man. He was holding something that was shining in all directions. They call themselves the Precipice. Two long arms wrapped in blue cotton and lace frantically pulled themselves out of the room. Hello. He was a giant. There was no other word for it. This is now about what I need. Crypt ID said you're supposed to go back and stand strong. How's that for a joyride? Was the drift really necessary? Nope. Out you go. You're not coming? Can't. Go on. I didn't break the law for you to drag your feet across the finish line. You can't? Joey, hey, you really don't have time to be poking into this mystery. Next time we meet, I'll explain. Promise. Okay. This place no longer felt nearly abandoned. I could hear the hustle and bustle of people in back rooms moving around, like a busy office at work. Lawrence was standing behind his desk, fidgeting nervously with his sleeves. And there was a man in the room I didn't recognize. He wasn't terribly tall, but he was thin, fit, and did his simple clothing quite a few favors. He wore a plain white t-shirt and a pair of slim jeans, with a belt that had several pockets and holsters for various tools, and what looked to be a small pistol. He was also younger than I expected. Maybe early in his twenties, at most? You'd be Joey, I assume? Yeah, and- Lucas, head of security. Come with me. Let me get you somewhere safe. How do you know? Pardon? How do you know it's safe? What can you possibly do against Zephyr? Lawrence, give us a sec. Oh, um, uh, yeah, sure thing, sorry. Listen, I know you don't trust us, Joey. I didn't either when I first met these guys. They practically talk in code, they have a loose set of rules that they barely follow, and it all feels a little bit like a cult. This, this strike in any chords? Yeah. Look, I came in sort of like you did. Not with a lantern man, but with something weird that they couldn't tell me about for a long time. And when they finally did, I didn't believe them. So I'm going to tell you something big. Something you may have already figured out, but couldn't put into words. Something that you'll have a hard time believing. But it's all I got right now. There are other worlds out there. And they're leaking into this one. Call it weird. Call it supernatural. Call it crazy. But that's what it is. Zephyr's from one of those worlds. So are the lantern men and the giant and the upside-down man, and everything else you've seen. We don't know everything about everything from these other worlds. We never could. Hell, we don't even know everything about the world we live in. The very idea that we could know everything about the secret worlds that slip through the dark corners of our own is the height of hubris. So we learn what we can, and accept that some things are beyond our understanding, beyond our reach. As for me, I hold on to what I know. 
And what I know is that the things from other worlds have a different set of rules they operate on, but as soon as they come into our world, they have to play by our rules. At least a little bit. They're bound by some semblance of logic and reason, and that's what I'm here for. Beneath all of the archaic language and code talk, I'm the logic, and I'm the reason that keeps us safe. Because these, these things, these otherworldly beings, they're in our home. And I know our rules pretty damn well. So rest assured, Zephyr can wave her magic wand around all she wants, but we've never met face-to-face -face for a very good reason. She knows I can beat her, because she is in our world now. If you're quite done talking our guest's ear off, Lucas, we really should get moving. Come on. He turned to go and opened the door, waiting for me to follow. I didn't have any reason to trust this man, beyond the same reason I mistrusted Zephyr when I first met her. A gut instinct. And while what I'd heard about him had been right, he was definitely big into talking, something about that helped. The fact that he just came out and said everything that nobody else would. His words made a kind of sense. And that was enough. I fell into step behind him. I get that there's a reason for not telling people everything all at once, especially with illumination in the picture, but kind of feels like we're past that point, to be honest. You've been through the ringer. Something like that. He led me through the hallways that I'd walked once before. I only knew them from the darkness and the crudely drawn map Brielle had left me. It all felt so different now. We passed by a woman with red hair and a colorful shirt, hurrying in the opposite direction. Everyone, we saw, actually seemed to be devoid of any sort of uniform. It looked like the people who worked here just stopped whatever they were doing and showed up here when Agent Sam called. Here we are. The room we'd ended up in was more comfortable than where I'd talked to Agent Sam. The other Agent Sam. It had a couch and a TV, which was currently off. There were some books on the table and a single cup coffee maker sitting out of use in the corner. Stay here. I'll be back in just a minute. Where are you going? To get your security detail. And without another word, he was gone, leaving me alone in the room. I couldn't shake the feeling that this was all coming to an end. Like I'd been put on a train, barreling towards an unknown destination, and now it was about to arrive in a fiery crash, with nothing I or anyone could do to stop it. And yet, somehow, that was a relief. I hadn't felt really, truly safe since before the Lantern Man incident. And this feeling of creeping dread, that this was all going to end, for better or worse. <sighs> At least it would be over. Joey, my girl. Uh, Pleasure to make your acquaintance. I've heard so much about you. The name's Dvorak, and I will personally be overseeing your safety. You'll come to no harm on my watch. The man who had practically burst into the room was huge. Not a giant. For a man, he was big. Nearly seven feet tall, if I had to guess, and an absolute mountain of muscle. He moved with surprising limberness for someone his size. He wore black slacks, a white button-up with rolled sleeves, and wide black suspenders. 
Clipped to his belt was an old-school walkie-talkie. Over his shoulder, held in one hand, he carried something completely anachronistic to the rest of his outfit. An axe. Not a little hatchet, but a full-on battle axe. With an ornately curved and notched handle, and an equally elegant axe head that must have weighed ten pounds. The man's chiseled face was currently carved into a toothy grin, revealing rows of perfect teeth. Um, hi? <laughs> no need to be alarmed. This old girl is merely here as a precaution. I haven't had to swing her in decades, it feels like. She's my good luck charm. Oh, okay. Joey, I'm sure you've been through hell these last couple of weeks, and I'm truly sorry about that. I consider that a personal failing and will do everything in my power to see to it that once this is all said and done, you are taken care of for your troubles. Thanks, but I'm more concerned about just getting through the day. I understand. Would you feel better if you were armed? He extended the axe to me. I took an instinctive step back from the massive weapon. Uh, no. I think I'd feel better if you were holding that. Ha! <laughs> Right you are! I've still got some fight in me yet! Not bad for an old man, hmm? Lucas had returned. Standing behind him was a woman with dark hair and a darker leather jacket. She looked much more modern than Dvorak, for lack of a better word. She had a weapon strapped to her back, but I couldn't tell what it was. I just saw the dark metal handle which looked like it belonged to some sort of firearm. Dvorak, what are you doing here? Keeping our guests safe, of course. I thought he was my security detail. That's flattering, Dvorak, but... But what? You might need me on the field? What am I paying you for? No, it's... it's Don't just... want to risk me being here? If you do your job, this is the safest room in the building. Forget it. You're the boss. But Becky's staying, too. Wondrous! We love the company. I'm gonna get back out there. Joey, are you okay? He must have noticed my hesitation, as he glanced up at the still-smiling Dvorak, and as Becky walked past him into the room. Dvorak is... a lot. But he's reliable. He's in charge of the precipice. If he's here, you're in good hands. I'm right here, you know. Yes, I am wildly aware, sir. Joey, do you need anything else? For all this to be over? <laughs> Give it time. Lucas left me in the room again but this time with Dvorak and Becky. Becky took a seat right away. She hadn't said a word yet, but she did take her weapon from her back. It was a truly menacing-looking thing. I didn't know enough about guns to name it, but it looked like a shotgun, or maybe a rifle? It was big, and she held it with confidence. Dvorak clapped me on the shoulder, which practically knocked me off my feet. Well, if Lucas is assigning Becky to your care, you surely have nothing to worry about. Between the two of us, not a scratch will come to you. I swear it. Dvorak. Dvorak looked down at the previously silent Becky, who now looked up from the couch. She made a motion with her hands, starting up towards her chest and slowly lowering them, as if to say, Take it easy, or... Calm it down. Ah, sorry. I suppose I do get a little excited in times of duress. That's an understatement. Dvorak leaned against the wall, trying to settle into a position of comfort. 
it didn't look like he was capable of comfort. But the silence the room fell into when he stopped talking was far more uncomfortable than his brazen attitude. Hey. Uh, hey. You're Joey, right? Yeah. Becky. You're holding up okay. It was a statement, not a question. Am I? Sure. I've seen a couple of people get sucked into this and absolutely fall apart. You're doing all right. I don't feel like I am. I feel like I'm just pretending. And on the inside, I'm a thousand little pieces. <laughs> Poetic. But you're not as good at pretending as you think you are. You just don't know what the average for a person in your shoes is. And I'm telling you, you're above it. Well, um, thanks. Can I get you a drink? No, thank you. I'm not thirsty. I meant when this is all over. Wanna get drinks? Oh. Um, wait, like... Ha! Rather forward of you, eh, Becky? Can it, Dad. I know what I'm about. Dad? Not actually. Just acts like it. So... I mean, I, I don't really even know you. That's what drinks are for. Nurse team to home base. We have movement. Timing, you fickle bitch. Oh well. Think on it. I hadn't even had time to process the preposition I'd been given. Becky rose to her feet, weapon in hand, and stood next to the door. Dvorak pushed off of the wall and held the battle axe firmly in front of him. Neither seemed concerned. This just looked like protocol to them. I moved away from the door, instinctively putting distance between myself and anything that might come through. Copy that, North Team. What are we looking at? Don't know yet. It's pretty far away. But it's big. Keep us posted. The giant. Hmm? When she first started chasing me, she was controlling the giant. Drove him crazy. Do you think... North Team. We have reason to believe Zephyr may be bringing the giant. Eyes up. It could be. Looks big enough, and the trees are rocking. Confirm when you can. If it is the giant, engage non-lethally. Copy. Sir, this is East Team to home base. I've got movement too. I think it might be Zephyr. Copy. What do you mean, might be? Small enough to be her. Moving slowly. I think she's... Wait, no. Shit, that... East Team? East team, report. Sorry, sir. We're falling back to higher ground. It's a lantern man. Repeat, we have a lantern man. My chest tightened. What was this? How much control did Zephyr have over the supernatural? North team to home base. We have a lantern man on our side as well. 30 yards out, taking the main road. South and west. Are you looking at anything? Not yet, sir. All clear on our end. South team, same. Wait, no, we've got... Sir, we've got a lantern man on our end, too. We can see it through the trees. West team, let us know if anything comes your way. North, any word on that giant? Yes, sir. We saw an arm push past a tree. It's him. They're surrounding us. How can hey. we... Easy there. We've got this. Still clear here, sir. Dvorak. Copy. Can you Prepare stand guard from outside? Please? You know the drill. Of like course. Practice, people. In position, sir. In position, sir. You can't beat her. Hey, you don't know that. We're good at what we do. She brought an army of lantern men. How can you fight that? They're obstacles. Like landmines. You don't fight them, they don't fight you. You fight around them. That's all. We can take this. But how? You all keep saying you've got it. I'm safe. It's all handled. How? I don't feel safe. Fine. You're not. 
None of us are. But that's the norm. That's every day. There's shit like this out there all the time, and we're always in danger. The difference is, most people get to be blissfully unaware that it exists. We don't have that luxury. That lack of comfort means we get the ability to prepare, to fight back a little. So no, we're not safe. No, we are not definitely going to get out of this. But I'll be damned if we go down without a fight. Is that good enough for you? I didn't respond. I- Hello again, Joey. Fuck. What is it? Zephyr. She's here. She's in my head again. In your head? Yeah, she can, like, hear my thoughts when she's close. Oh, gross. Can she hear me? I don't know. Well, hey, Zephyr, if you can, come and fucking get me, bitch. (laughs) I laughed in spite of myself. What else was there to do? Stopping my thoughts didn't seem to matter. She already knew where I was. This was happening, one way or the other. That's That's one way way to look at it. it. Here's Here's another way. way. Oh, she thinks she's so tough. Becky reached to the front of the gun she still held in her hands and twisted a small ring that turned a bright light on. I pulled out my own flashlight and pointed it at the door before flicking it on. Stay close, no matter what. Communications are out. She's never hit technology before. This is new. New, but nothing we can't handle. Is this really the safest place to be? Yes, it's... Don't say it. What? Why ever not? Zephyr's in Joey's head. She doesn't know. She can't fight it. Aha! Smart thinking, Becky. Yeah, I know. This isn't right. How do you mean? All of this... It feels like... a war. For what? For me? It isn't fair. I don't want your people getting hurt because of me. That's very noble of you, Joey, my girl. But I made it my job to protect the people of this world from the dangers others won't see. Everyone who is here made the same choice. They may be my people, but you are our person. As is everyone else in the world who didn't make a choice to have the supernatural thrust upon them. We would all happily give our lives to save even one person who couldn't make that choice. Well, I don't know about happily. And then our flashlights went out. We were surrounded by darkness. She's trying to draw us outside. At least we've got the sun there. The moon, actually. What? She, uh, may have changed the time from day to night. The moon is high in the sky, according to our security teams. She can do that? It's all right. We'll figure this out. Joey, walk to me. Take my hand. I don't want to lose you. I carefully stumbled towards Dvorak, my arms outstretched as I tried to comprehend exactly how screwed we all were. But my hand didn't touch his at first. I must have reached the wrong side as I felt the cool wooden handle of his axe touch my fingertips. As I made contact, I had to squeeze my eyes shut as the room was suddenly flooded with bright light. (laughs) I pulled away, and the light faded. Wait, what was that? I think... Joey, extend your hand again. Close your eyes. I did as he asked. This time, I wrapped my hand around the axe handle entirely. Slowly, we all opened our eyes. The axe was shining like a beacon, lighting up every dark corner of the room. Zvorak had released it, 
and its weight caught me off guard as I almost dropped it to the ground. Joey, my girl, I think there's quite a lot more to you than meets the eye. I... I don't... Should have told us you had magic powers. I don't. I'm not... Perhaps you should hold that after all, eh? Ha! I'm illuminated. I'm still illuminated. I was afraid to tell you, but I... But I am, and I think I... I think... stop. It doesn't matter now. If you being illuminated means you can make the axe glow, then it's a good thing you are. Now hold on to that tight, and... She stopped talking, suddenly. She was looking over my shoulder. The door behind Vorak was open. I swore he'd closed it. And shining just around the corner, no more than twenty feet away, was the soft glow of a lantern's light. Is this... is this still the safest place for us to be? Yes. It can't get in here. Stand back. I did as Dvorak said, still clutching the heavy axe, now in both hands. Dvorak pulled the door shut and backed away, as he and Becky each took one of my sides. Becky's gun raised. Could a gun even hurt a lantern man? The hell? No. No, it can't be. Dvorak rushed to the door to close it again, as the light of the lantern man drew closer. He stayed this time, holding it shut. Can't be what? Joey, what is it? Ah! This time I saw it. As the door forced its way open in spite of Dvorak's grip, I saw the lace trim at the end of a quickly receding blue sleeve. We have to go. It's right there. If you step into it, I'm already illuminated, and I can't stay here. I can't. I can't. Pull yourself together, Joey. The Lantern Man can't get into this room. But what if something else can? Then you hit it with the axe, I shoot it with my gun, and we'll see what happens next. But I need you to stay with me. She dragged me to the opposite corner of the room. The one with the TV. And the one that would be farthest from the lantern man's light. If she was right, and he couldn't come in, it wouldn't be able to reach us in that corner. Vorak followed suit, leaving the door and putting himself in front of me like a shield as the light came closer and closer. The silence was deafening. You couldn't even hear footsteps. Whatever battle was taking place outside had either stopped or become too soft to perceive from within. The lantern man reached the door and stopped. See? And then he stepped inside. None of us moved. What could we possibly do? The lantern man looked different from the last one I'd seen. Instead of regular clothes and a straw hat, this one wore a dark red robe with a heavy hood that concealed his face. He turned to face us, but something was off. I didn't feel the same pressure in my head as I had last time. I looked to Becky and Dvorak. They had noticed it, too. Becky gripped her gun tighter. The lantern man raised his hand to his hood and pulled it down from his head. Or, no, not exactly that. Because it wasn't a lantern man at all. Surprise. 
as Becky fired, the blast from the shotgun ringing in my ears. Zephyr threw her wand upwards, and a shimmering field of force stopped the bullets from hitting her. Before she could move again, though, Dvorak had charged at her, tackling her into the wall, the plaster of which cracked and crumbled as the two rolled to the side. Joey, get out of here! Becky and I bolted from the room, past Zephyr as she tilted her wand towards Dvorak, who was flung into the air. We made it out the door and around the corner before Zephyr could stand, and Becky took off, running. Around another corner, again, I saw the hint of a lace sleeve. Wait! Wait! Jesus, what? This way. Why? Trust me. I made a sharp turn around the corner, the opposite way the long arms had gone. If those arms had opened the door for Zephyr... Following them was the last thing we should be doing. Come back, Joey. It's almost over now. We had a good run, but it's time to end this. Not yet, it wasn't. We'll see. Joey left! Right is a dead end! But as I turned to face the left path, I saw the arms again. More of them, this time. Zipping around the corner and out of sight. A dead end didn't sound good for a lot of reasons but something in my gut was telling me that I couldn't follow the arms right now. I had to get away. Joey! She had turned left. I had turned right. Before she could move to meet me, Zephyr had come between us, wand clutched tightly in hand. (laughs) At long last. Thank you so much for making this interesting. Becky had been right. It was a dead end. I had another five feet before I was backed to a wall. And there were no other ways out. Becky tried to sit up, but Zephyr extended the wand to her side, and my new ally was flung farther backwards, her gun skidding away from her. But now, alas, the game is done. Now all that's left is the finale. Why me? Please, just tell me why. Why is it so important for you to kill me? Oh, Joey, I do wish I had the time to explain it to you. But your friends are already on their way to stop me. So I'm afraid this is goodbye. The world seemed to slow as Zephyr raised her wand. Becky had managed to rise to her feet, but couldn't move fast enough to do anything. And I stood there clutching the glowing axe of Dvorak, staring down this insane force of darkness, apparently from another world. As whatever evil magic Zephyr had planned for me made its way through the wand, something else made its way into the hallway as well. Two long arms, wrapped in blue sleeves trimmed with lace, moving with lightning speed. One of them caught Zephyr's arm, and pulled it away. A bolt of crackling black and blue energy leapt from the wand, striking the wall with a bang. What the? No. No! The other long-fingered hand grabbed Zephyr's other arm, and then more. More arms. Three? Four? Six? Eight? They seemed innumerable. They surrounded Zephyr, who was now screaming as if she was afraid for the first time in her life. No! No, you can't! No! No, I was so close! No! No!
End of part one.